Coming to you live from various places across the country, it's your host of the Disney Plus Weekly Review, Joe Fricky. and if you couldn't tell, this is the Disney Plus Weekly Review, uh, where each week me and my co-host Tristan Mayer break down this week in Disney Plus. Uh, we've been doing this for a couple months now, it's been really fun. Uh, it's becoming less fun, at least currently, <laughs> because we're kind of a, in a lull in Disney Plus content. There's just not a whole lot to be excited about really we went from you know loki and bad batch to just kind of having what if which isn't really this big arc show that you can kind of theorize about and speculate about it's just kind of like a review of the episode of the week uh so tristan what were your kind of your thoughts on disney plus this week do you agree disagree yeah it's definitely slowing down but it's been nice you know and taking a break from the mad rush of following every fan theory and following every thing week to week and all the news of who's and what and who thinks is going to be and what and all of that it's nice to just it feels like flipping open a comic book in a way you know what's the story of the week that's nice let's move on to the next one it's a nice break but yes it's been slow but i do think we have a bit to talk about here so i wouldn't be too down on the episode sure we're going to have a lot to talk about just with what if there's a lot to talk about there but there's some casting news i want to talk about there's also some uh some stuff towards the end. I think it'll be some fun games you can play. It'll be we can make this podcast into something a bit more fun. I think than just talking about what could be in Loki, what could not be in Loki. Yeah, definitely uh, in this lull until Hawkeye drops in November. I think this is more just going to be a fun hangout show where we're talking about Disney in general. Because uh, next week we won't have an episode because I'll be in Michigan and I leave Thursday evening and I don't come back till Monday. So there's really just not time for an episode. Maybe if Tristan wants to solo a week, he can do that or. We can just accept the fact that we'll go a week without a show. That'll be up to him. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, and so next week we'll have the uh, gallery episode about the finale of Mandalorian to talk about as well. Uh, that drops August 25th. And then I believe next week we'll have Star- or next month we'll have Star Wars Visions to talk about for an episode. So there'll be, there'll be some drops throughout until we get to November. That'll be fun to talk about. But Uh, To kick things off, let's start with this week's episode of What If, titled What If T'Challa Became a Star-Lord, where basically we find out the difference in this universe was Yondu, instead of going to get Peter Quill himself, sent some underlings to go get him, and they end up finding a T'Challa who has wandered a little bit out of the borders of Wakanda, and basically... Uh, T'Challa wanted to explore the world, and Yandu's like, forget the world, like, come explore the galaxy. And so we cut to an older uh, T'Challa who is very different than Peter Quill. Uh, I will say that. And it's kind of, he is in, where Peter Quill is trying to kickstart the name Star Lord and wants everyone to call him Star Lord, and no one really cares or has any desire to. Uh, T'Challa's kind of the opposite, where everyone's calling him Star-Lord, and he kind of rejects that name. Uh, But yeah, it's just kind of a follow-through of that, and you're kind of seeing him potentially wanting to return to Wakanda. Uh, What were your thoughts on this episode, Tristan? I had a good time with it. I texted you a pretty uh, hard attack in the first few minutes, and they're like, oh, T'Challa is uh, now Star-Lord, and it makes everything perfect, because everyone just likes him so much. And I was like, wow, this is like if Marvel forced us to watch the really bad, like, Star Wars Forces of Destiny shorts they used to air on Disney Channel, like, <laughs> this is just forcing your characters into these terrible plots. But by the end, I really ended up liking it a lot, and I rewatched it 
uh, twice now, and I've uh-huh. I've liked it a lot more each time I've watched it, and I've come on to liking this a lot more than the first one, and I think it leans really well into the premise of the what if. Um, I really enjoyed the themes too because I think it crosses the themes of of family, which is a big theme of Guardians and also Black Panther. And like, who is your family? What defines family? And Guardians is very much about like a found family and meeting these people and then like coming together and and making that your new family. And Black Panther is also about like how strong is the bond between family versus versus new blood and should we entirely rely on family and tradition? And I think it was really interesting to see those two themes cross and these two movies that are very, very different from each other that you would normally not think would cross together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, it was weird when they announced it, like, oh, T'Challa is Star-Lord, but it kind of, I think it was more just, like, what if T'Challa wasn't raised in Wakanda, basically, is kind mm-hmm. of the theme they wanted, and that was the easiest route and the one that they could showcase the most without having to explain a whole lot. Um, But yeah, I, I, when you texted that, I was like, that was before I saw the episode, and I was like, you know, in the mood to be like, okay, how bad is this going to be? Because I kind of enjoyed the last one. And as I was watching it, I'm like, okay, I I like this. The only aspect I didn't really like was T'Challa able to, like, convert Thanos. And, like, to me, that felt very, like, aimed at, like, (laughs) seven-year-olds. I would have preferred if they had just had a line or a moment instead of including Thanos was just, like, T'Challa was able to rally the Ravagers and convince the Ravagers to go against Thanos, and they defeated Thanos before he even got to the first Infinity Stone or something. I really liked that. Uh, I thought it was honestly funny they made Thanos into like the King Shark in the Harley Quinn show, where he's just like suddenly a joke in this universe. And I think it almost leans into the premise of like the what if can be anything. That can be a horror show, and this is almost like a comedy. Like it. It's taking the characters that you know and like kind of making fun of them, and even Thanos is being turned into like a good guy by T'Challa. And I thought it was kind of funny to see him still trying to rationalize. <laughs> like you see him in like the party scenes talking to people, and they're like, "Well, that kind of sounds like genocide." And it was really—I thought it was fun yeah. to turn to kind of like take the piss out of a character that was just a few movies ago like a big scary bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And and it wasn't one of those things where I was like, oh, this is garbage. It was just like, oh, this is very, like, I don't know. I wasn't, I just, I didn't enjoy that aspect of it, I'll, I'll, I'll say. It. I, I did like Nebula's kind of, like, Catwoman almost portrayal of, like, this is what it would have been like if she wasn't completely abused her whole life. Mm-hmm. I missed Gamora. I felt like it would have been interesting to see, like, Gamora in this episode. But I felt like she was already good, so, like, what would we have got? Just, like, a more good version of Gamora? So I can I can understand that aspect of why they... Yeah, I, I was curious if the Gamora would show up, because it was really impressive about this episode, last episode, too, but this episode in particular, like, Marvel is not pulling back on like <laughs> bringing in characters and bringing back the people that they can get back. Like Josh Brolin voiced Thanos, and the, like what what kind of world are we in where they're doing an animated show where Josh Brolin's actually coming back and voicing Thanos in it, and and Benicio del Toro is in it too, and like all these big name actors are in this random animated TV episode. I thought that was really entertaining. It's fun to see everyone kind of crossing over. Not Dave, not Dave Batista though. If you saw that on Twitter, <laughs> I did follow that drama. Yeah, there's always drama going on with Dave Batista recently. If if you didn't notice, um, or if you didn't see it, someone, some random person on Twitter asked Dave Batista why he didn't come back to voice Drax, and he said they didn't ask him. And James Gunn quote tweeted that with a rather shocked expression. So, part of me wonders if that's like them being like, ah, oh, you've left for Warner Brothers, or you know, so we don't. Yeah, you wonder if. 
like they play nice for the cameras, but there really is this rivalry between the two of them or something. Like I would, I don't know why Marvel would even care at that point because like they're just stomping on DC in reality. Like DC's DC is scrapping at the bits to try and like make good movies once in a while. But that would be fun. I mean, not fun. Yeah. Part of me wonders, though, It would be funny too. in the way that corporate drama is funny, but it would be sad for Bay Batista. Everyone else that was, like, a main character... Like, a- a- every main character in this was, like, an MCU staple, right? Um, and really, Drax was the only, like, MCU character that showed up that was in, like, half a scene. Everyone else in the movie was, like, multiple scene characters. So I wonder if it was more just, like, it's not worth the paycheck to have him back for, like, half a scene. Yeah, and I wonder, he does have this grander look at what Drax is supposed to be. He He's kind of disappointed on how little of a role he played in, in the defeat of Thanos. And he said, like, oh, it was like a slap in the face or something like that, that to have Drax not be so pivotal. And yeah. I wonder if he said, oh, just two lines, like, Drax should be, like, the main character. And, they were, yeah. and it was like, I'm not coming back for two lines. Yeah. Well, he said he wasn't even asked, so. I know, he, uh, but they, the, the producers said they asked him also, so. Uh-huh. Oh, no. I've heard the I've heard the opposite. It could have been one sides. of those things where they asked his agent, and the agent's like, "How much does he have?" And they said two lines, and he's like, "We're not interested in two lines." And it never actually made it to Dave Batista. So. Yeah, I would feel like that's probably that's what had happened. It didn't cross the right lines somewhere, especially because they're like, "Oh, kids animated show to some streaming platform that doesn't sound like something Dave wants to do," and <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't know the gravity of Marvel sometimes. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Uh, I did like the end, or with like spoiler alert T'Challa's kind of reunification the one thing I wasn't sure about is uh, they had a little flash of star like uh, Chris Pratt uh, Peter Quill at the end Uh, and he looks like he's just kind of working some dead end job sweeping a floor I almost would have liked the opposite I almost would have liked if they were like oh he became like a senator or something yeah that would have been fun because he instead of going into space he becomes like some super rich business leader or senator or some special person yeah but yeah, he goes down the exact path you'd expect him to go down, yeah. knowing the character. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he would work some janitor jobs somewhere or something like that. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that that cliffhanger at the end of if they're going to follow this up with anything else, it, like obviously oh. there's going to be more what ifs. But is there, are they going to literally do a what if of what, following up with that Peter Quill cliffhanger and? some episode in season two or whatever yeah i mean i could definitely see like them doing i mean it's easy what if of like what if yondu never found peter and so ego didn't find peter until he's an adult like that's easy like i mean you could go a million different directions from there afterwards but that's an easy what if to set up yeah because my idea would be like oh he didn't have this journey with the guardian so he's probably still like really vain and self-absorbed and if you if you if if, uh Ego came to him now at that point in his life, he might actually join him and become kind of a bad guy, and you'd see Star Lord on the side of Ego for a while. Yeah. That would be a really cool what if. Yeah. I'd definitely be down for that. What I liked about this episode overall is that it did get beyond just like, oh, what if this character just like had this character's powers? (laughs) You know, it was a little bit more than just like, what if that character was a little bit different? And it was a bigger change because. When you see, oh, what if Peggy Carter was Captain America? Like, Peggy Carter's already practically Captain America. Like, she's a spy thriller action hero who just happens to be a woman instead of a man. And, like, it it doesn't drastically change the character or the plot. And I think this showed how that change could really drastically alter the plot and drastically alter the character. And I think showed the potential for what these what if shifts could actually do. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm very curious to see what the next episode is because I'm like I know the Marvel Zombies one is one they talk about a lot, so I wonder if that's because I'm trying to remember the uh like the show the like things that the Disney has put out on Disney Plus of like the summary of each character. The first one was that they just put out before uh, the first What If dropped. The first one was Peggy Carter. The second one. I think was the Guardians of the Galaxy as a whole, or uh, I think that's what it was, the Guardians of the Galaxy as a whole, and then the third one was just the Avengers as a whole. I could be wrong, and hmm. so I'm curious. So I think the third one will be Avengers focused, but I'm gonna look it up on Disney Plus because I'm not sure. It might help us. I know the third one was Avengers as a whole, so I I feel like that's probably what the what if is going to be related to, and I imagine like Marvel Zombies fits in with that. I can tell you from secondhand, this uh, and like watching people's reviews because the critics got the first three episodes rather than just the premiere, and in their reviews, they all mentioned, "Oh, I'm still looking forward to seeing Marvel Zombies. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with zombies and that kind of stuff." So I would imagine. Unless they're just baiting me, but that means that they didn't yeah. get that in the first three episodes. So, what uh, they did, I did hear from the critics as well that almost unanimously, the third episode was their favorite. They thought it was the most interesting, the most dark, the most kind of uh, I don't know, engaging to the actual adult Marvel audience yeah. of the three. So, I'm curious what it's going to be. Yeah. Okay. So the first one was Peggy Carter. The uh, of the most recent ones they've uploaded for the Marvel Legends. The second one was the Avengers Initiative. And then the third one was the Ravagers. So I feel like it definitely, just based on that, the third one has to be Avengers focused. Because why would the other two ones be directly connected to the first three episodes and the third one not be? I'm Googling around now and I, I am seeing a couple of those random, you know, like we cover comic news dot X, Y sites that are telling me what the premise is, but I'm not quite sure if I should believe it or if it's just them making assumptions off of trailers and things. What are they saying? Because <laughs> they are leaning into that it's an Avengers premise and that it follows Loki's arrival on Earth right at like the premise of the first Avengers, but the what if is that uh, someone is separating the Avengers and not letting them all meet and not letting them like assemble essentially because the first oh, movie is all sense. about like them coming together as a team at the right moment at the right time yeah, so and what if this the is going to be the what if they never did yeah. assemble. Yeah. I could see that. That makes sense. I'm in on that, especially when they were talking about when the critics were talking about how dark it was. That that all tracks. Yeah, you wonder if it's like Loki will literally end the world or something like. <laughs> you know how dark could it get if they're yeah. talking about dark? Yeah, maybe uh, they never assemble and like the we get like Avengers tier two, like your Doctor Strange and Falcon and all of those characters. Like it's kind of like hinted at the end that they're the ones that are going to assemble and be like the first team of Avengers. Cause we also know that Loki was answering to Thanos in the first Avengers. So they could even tie it forward to Thanos and that Thanos show up once again next week. is in a, a bigger role. Yeah. Villain role again. <laughs> yeah. Anything else to say about what if T'Challa became a Star-Lord? Last thing to say is I need my Howard the Duck spinoff show. Um, I would love to see uh, some, some, all of those Ravagers, like, you you were not happy with the Thanos, but I was like, oh, he would be hilarious as, like, like a King Shark, like, third-rate supporting character in some, like, Ravagers what if spinoff <laughs> that follows all these characters on some adventure somewhere. Yeah. And I would be down for that. I think Howard the Duck is a character that Marvel is, like, 
spicing up to you somewhere because they keep having them show up here and there. So I think they're looking for the right spot, the right like comedic tone to throw them in. And yeah. I think an animated show could be the way to do it. And I'm pretty sure he was voiced by Seth Green, which is perfect. So. Yeah, bring him back. Make give him another Disney. Give him a Star Wars streaming show. I read it. Give him what was that show he was gonna make for for Lucasfilm? Uh, I can't uh, remember what it was now. Oh yeah, Star, Star Wars, Wars something. Ah <laughs> uh, shoot. An animated comedy show that George Lucas hired Seth Green and the gang of Adult Swim. I mean, of uh, yeah, a whole like Adult Swim kind of era of people to make it was like a Star Wars parody show they're gonna make. That was essentially gonna be a robot chicken style, not in the animation. Star uh, Wars style, detours. But, yeah, Star Wars detours. It was just gonna be these short little com- comedic takes on Star Wars moments, and there's clips out floating here and there. But it's one of those shows that got canned and lost in the Disney acquisition and never went anywhere. And now it's like there's a whole season worth of it out there in the world somewhere, but we can't see it. <laughs> I, I think from what I've heard and everything, a lot of like it's just never gonna get put out mainly because a lot of it was like timely pop culture references, which is what um um robot chicken was and then a lot of jokes that maybe you know were okay 10 years ago or eight years ago and maybe aren't as okay anymore and so it's just one of those things that people can petition all they want but it's just i just don't think it will be seen the same way now as it would have been in like 2011 2012 that yeah i know it would be a fascinating time capsule to watch if you can but knowing today's audience they don't know how to watch within a time capsule so they're i mean (laughs) <laughs> easy way to get people offended you know yeah, it'd be like a reference to inception that's an old dated reference why is that in here i know and they'd yeah. be like oh they they talked about like something vaguely offensive that in 2020 standards is not is not mm-hmm. polite to say and it's like mm-hmm. well sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> it was 10 years ago stuff changes yep 15 yeah well people are dumb so but I like the episode a lot. I would love to see more from these characters. I didn't feel that necessarily last week, and I was like, okay, I'm sure we'll see more of Captain Carter, but I didn't necessarily care about the whole way that she affected the universe around her when I think I felt the effect of T'Challa, which I thought was interesting. I'd love to see more from these characters. Yeah, If the if the rumors are true, or not rumors, but speculation is true, that potential, I mean, this is canon to like the MCU and the different timelines, and that we will... And the reason that they're having the voice actors play these characters is um, because they're going to do, like, characters from different timelines coming to the main timeline in, like, the next big, like, Avengers movie in maybe, like, ten years. And, like, we could get Peggy Carter, like, Captain Carter there. What if we just get, like, the Thanos from this universe (laughs) played by Josh Brolin rolling up fighting Kang or whatever the big threat is? That would be awesome. I mean... I expect some of these characters to show up a lot sooner than that. I think we're going to see at least two. I would. I'm going to. I'm going to place a bet. We'll see two characters established within this season of TV, either mentioned or actually showing up in Doctor Strange: uh, Multiverse of Madness. All right. I think we'll probably see Peggy Carter, Captain Carter. That's my biggest prediction. I think we'll. I think we're most likely to see her of the characters we've seen from the right. trailers and such. Okay. What are you, are you counting? Like they're established. Like they're now could pop up are you talking like he's flying through the multiverse and it's like oh look there was captain carter for half a second well i think that kind of counts okay but i think we'll at least see one character prominently featured like as with real speaking lines and scenes all right well i think i'm gonna rule out t'challa star lord well probably yeah (laughs) (laughs) unless we got oh yeah that would be 
I was gonna. Yeah, then I can do CG or anything like that for that, so that wouldn't uh, be effective. No. I could roll up to the uh, Black Panther set tomorrow and ask, so. Speaking of Black Panther 2, I do have some uh, Disney Plus series related casting news uh, right. related to Black Panther 2. Yeah, I saw that, but I want to hear. <laughs> I cannot remember the actress's name now, but it's the woman who's going to be playing Ironheart, the upcoming uh, Disney Plus streaming series a couple of years away from us now but it's uh she's essentially a younger woman who takes on the role of iron man uh in the in the future and her character is going to be appearing in black panther 2 she's been filming scenes already according to kevin feige so she's in your neck of the woods joe you're gonna be seeing the next iron man the next Ar- the iron heart i've enjoyed her comic books uh i read the first uh, I think the first paperback of her, so, so I didn't get super into her, but I read like her debut and a couple of the first stories from her, so I liked the concept of her, so I'm curious to see how Marvel's going to take it on. I'm also excited to see, of course, the interconnectivity of something appearing in the movie and then appearing in the TV show, and then vice versa. We're seeing a lot of that interconnectivity growing through this, whether with it, whether it's in uh, Black Widow and I'm hoping Doctor Strange too. Yeah, she, uh, the actress's name is Dr. Or Dr. Dominique Thorne. <laughs> Dominique Thorne, that's what it is. It is. Yeah. I could, you know, Marvel does a good job of just pulling these random people that you barely, maybe in one thing that you might have seen or something like that, if that. Especially for this younger generation like this and Miss Marvel and those kind of shows where it's, they're, they're not just the next generation of actual comic, like the new generation of characters, but younger people. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how they bring in like teens and young adults into their lineup of like 50 year old men. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's like, I'm curious, especially how she's going to tie into black or yeah. Black Panther too. Like, is is she going to be like, in? is she going to be a prominent role? Is she going to be in the movie for like half a second? Like what's, yeah, I think it's probably going to be a small role. I would think at the max, it'll be like Monica Rambeau in WandaVision where she was like a supporting character for sure. Yeah, but she was a connective character who'd been in other stuff in other movies. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with that. And they're they're actually very confident, Joe, that they can keep their schedule set and that things aren't going to get pushed around, even just in normal life production times. Like, what happens if Black Panther gets pushed back or something like that, and all of a sudden your Ironheart mm-hmm. thing is moved around? And you need, I mean, it's going to be nice to see. It's going to be interesting to see if Marvel can pull off their tight-knit schedule between these shows and their movies once now that we're starting to slowly but surely get back to a normal schedule for things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still waiting on that Spider-Man No Way Home trailer that's never going to come. I've heard, I've heard, uh, I think, Monday? Yeah, the Sony Cinema thing is one of these day, upcoming days, so it'll probably release then. I think part of it is studios are realizing they're just wasting money promoting movies a year before they come out. Yep. Like, Especially... build the hype, get the maximum hype. Like, there's no point in having maximum hype a month before your movie comes out and just trying to maintain that. Just get to maximum hype right when the movie comes out. Boom, there you go. Yeah, like, you can maintain hype, like, a, a month before, maybe, but you can't... Like, why would why would Sony release a trailer for Spider-Man, like, a year before? Why do they want you to spend a whole year? Wait, like, they have other movies to promote, you know? They want you to be excited for Venom before you think about Spider-Man. And... Exactly. Stuff, and even other movies that aren't uh, comic book stuff, 
you know, I think it is good for the industry, honestly, to be condensing this stuff. So the conversation is entirely always about the one thing that isn't even out for a year. Exactly. Like, and also too, like these studios are like really with the pandemic studios were releasing movie or trailers for movies, like two years before they came out at this point, like no time to die. That first trailer had to come out like May of 2019. And you wonder how many millions they these companies have lost marketing stuff like Venom and yeah. stuff like Double uh, Seven and like every time they release new trailers and push out new posters and everything else, billboards like that's millions of dollars spent that they didn't have to spend over again to rebrand it and remarket it and push it all over and over and over again. Exactly. I'm just trying to. I'm looking at the uh, when the first. Uh, it looks like the first trailer for No Time to Die dropped December 4th of 2019. So almost two years. Uh, just uh, 22 months before the movie ca- comes out, they released the first trailer. Because, That's I mean, the pandemic delayed it and all of that. But... And it, who knows if it'll be make it state at this point. Yeah. We have some Loki Season 2 news also off of okay. the red carpet from Shang-Chi. Uh, All right. Kevin Feige was asked about like the status of Loki Season 2, and he said, oh, we're already along the way of like writing it and working on it and getting it going. He said, uh, directors moving on to bigger and better things, quote-unquote, so they're looking for new directors. So I would, it looks like Season 2 of Loki, they're not going to be bringing back the woman who was the helm of the first season. They're looking for something new. I'm curious if they'll bring in a, a head to be like, okay, you do season two and it's you episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all the way to the end. Or they're going to be typical TV stuff and be like, okay, bring in like six directors and have them each divided up and how yeah. that will affect the unity of it. Cause I think what made Loki feel so good was that it all felt like one unified thing. It didn't feel like one episode was like totally different tonally from the others. No. Yeah. It definitely did all feel like uh, one, one thing. So I'm looking at the director's, Upcoming on IMDb. Uh, her next project, directing-wise, is Untitled Kate Heron Project. Can I throw out some speculation out right now? Yeah, I feel like you got you got the right direction here, Joe. She's directing the Kevin Feige-produced Star Wars movie. That's a good. That's a good one. I was thinking somewhere in the Marvel department, but that's a much more interesting direction. I mean, it was directed well. I I liked it. If they if they I mean, I'm not going to lie. If they're like, she's directing Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie, I'm not going to be like throwing my fists in the air being like, this is going to be the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. But I'm also not going to second guess the decision either. I'm going to be like, all right. I mean, she did. Yeah. I think she did a good job with Loki. I'm curious to see what she does with the movie. But but the, if, as that, if that wording was his actual wording of like, oh, she's moved on to bigger and better things, that feels like a slight tease. And maybe it is. Maybe they she is directing... The, one of the next upcoming MCU movies, but if I had to make a prediction, it's probably she's directing Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie. Yeah, and I think when you look at the uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier director being tapped to then go direct Captain America, you wonder if they're t- looking at a Pixar route, if they're, if they're using these series in a way to audition some of their directors that haven't necessarily proven themselves on the big screen yet, you know, Similarly to how they pull people like Chloe Zhao, they're like, oh, you made Nomadland, that one really good indie movie, let's give you our movie. And they do that a lot where they'll pull someone with one or two hits and then say, okay, you're ours now. So this could be their way of using the TV as a proving ground. And she came in and proved herself on Loki to make a hit. So I think handing her, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's somewhere in the cosmic world of Marvel, I think giving her that that, that 
sci-fi space vibe is going to be good for because that's what I got off of Loki, the the cosmic, the kind of fun, explorative space vibe that I'd love to see her go to like a Doctor Who style thing. <laughs> and this may either defend or hurt my argument, uh, but Loki was created by Michael Waldron. Michael Waldron is writing Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie, so that makes it even more. Uh, I think that that helps your argument a lot because yeah. that's even more connective tissue, you know. And also, I think I mean I know they have uh, Patty Jenkins directing her movie, but I just think having like a woman director is more like in the direction Lucasfilm and Star Wars and all that would go. So yeah, I think it's, unfortunately women have to prove themselves a bit more than men do sometimes in this department. So. Her having this TV show under her belt, I think, is going to help her be yeah. like, look, I've done this, and yeah, I've and shown I that like, I can do this. I feel like, for the most part, Loki is people's favorite of the MCU shows. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, really interesting, good direction for her career. I think it'll also be interesting to see who they choose as their director or directors of, of the next one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had never heard of this woman before uh, Loki, so like, I feel like I could speculate, but it, it's probably going to be another random person I've never heard of. It's not going to be <laughs> like, oh, uh, fucking David Fincher is directing Loki season two. Like, yeah, Marvel's going to do it. They're going to do the same thing I've been doing. Tap someone who's done maybe one movie you know, you've, you've heard of someone talk about. <laughs> you know, we haven't seen it, but you've heard your yeah, one friend that you Mandy's, know is your one friend. Yeah. yeah is doing uh, Loki season two. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see who they pick. Anything, uh, what else do you got, Joe? We're, we're heading towards the end of the of the Disney Plus content here already for the week. Uh, yeah, like there are a few documentaries and stuff on there, but for the most part, their documentaries aren't like that interesting to me. I've watched a few of them, and they're, bo- they're all like just kind of like generic. So unless once I was going to be like, oh, every time a new documentary pops up on Disney+, Plus, I'll watch it. But I'm at the point where unless it's like super interesting to me and a topic I care about, I'm probably just going to pass because they're all just like very like surface level, kind of lame and boring. So... Uh, one of the things I did want to talk about uh, is if you haven't watched any of our previous Disney Plus reviews, uh, after Bad Batch, my goal was to start a Star Wars chronological watch-through, which is basically every piece of canon Star Wars video content, whether that's movies, shows, shorts, uh, anything, which got me to 330 pieces of media. So that goes chronologically wow. from Phantom Menace all the way to Rise of Skywalker. And I'm also doing a James Bond watch through where I'm watching all 24 James Bond movies. So uh, I haven't got super far. Mind melting. I've watched all three, or uh, no, not all three prequel movies. I've watched the first two prequel movies, the Clone Wars movie. And I'm on to Season 1, Episode 10. Oh, I finished Season 1, Episode 10 of The Clone Wars. And there are a few episodes from other seasons in there as well. Uh, But one of the things I want to talk about really quick, if I can find my... Ah, there we go. Notes. And uh, that I just thought were interesting, like little connections to things that were uh, not yet, like, made. Uh, In Clone Cadets, which is Season 3, Episode 1 which is the first uh, episode after the Clone Wars movie chronologically. Uh, The clone uh, cadet Heavy is talking about the squad. He's in Domino Squad as a bad batch and failures. And so, which I thought was kind of interesting that he threw out the name Bad Batch. Interesting. You wonder if they... That couldn't have been a coincidence. So they had to have grabbed that intentionally. 
the squad that he's referring to, Domino Squad, Echo is in Domino Squad, and the person he is talking to is, like, the older, like, messed-up-looking clone, 99, who mm-hmm. Clone Force 99, a.k.a. the Bad Batch, was named after. So, like, there's it's zero, every... there is a 0% chance that was a coincidence. What a scene to watch now. It's like, that's the stuff that rewards me on Star Wars. It's all so connected, and you yeah. watch scenes like that, and it, it sounds lame if you're not into Star Wars, but that's the kind of stuff that can feel fun. All of those little tiny things that all connect in this one scene, you're seeing it all come together. And one one of the things I'm noticing is watching it in chronological... So, that is season three, episode one that I'm talking about, but chronologically, that's like the third episode of Clone Wars. Um, and one of the things you notice is like season one, one of the early seasons, Rookies, has the cadets from that episode, but like now they're out in the field, and now that you're watching it in order, when some of them die and don't make it, it's like way more sad. So I would recommend to anyone that's planning on, I'm not saying watch all of Star Wars chronologically, but if you're like, oh, I'm going to go back, I want to go back and rewatch The Clone Wars, I would 100% recommend going back. You want, It's on StarWars.com. It's like a verified, like, this isn't just like what I think is chronological. This is like what Star Wars Lucasfilm is saying. It's the chronological order. Watch it in chronological order because I think you will see more, like it just, it, the stories are better because it's you're not watching it in random orders. You can connect with the Clone Wars, clone clones more because you're seeing their story. Like, I I think as I'm watching it, I'm gonna realize that the story of Clone Wars, like in the background, is the story of Echo and Fives because they're introduced in the first episode, uh, like in the background, and then if you know what happens to Echo and Five, Echo and Fives throughout the series. Like, I, I feel like, to an extent, like, that the story of the Clone Wars is their story. I mean, I would love your... You're going to tempt me, Joe, because I, I already did this. I did this before Rise of Skywalker came out. Of course, there's a, a dozen hours of stuff that is new between then and now, but I started with Phantom Menace and went all the way through, all the way to the end, and through all of Clone Wars chronologically, all the Rebels, everything else. I skip resistance because I don't hate myself that much, but oh, I, 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 I I despise myself, so I'm planning on watching resistance. <laughs> it was a really rewarding experience, and I think it does enhance Rise of Skywalker for all of its flaws. It, I would have probably liked it even less if I hadn't watched the whole thing ahead of time. So I'm really excited to see what you're going to think of it because you are more positive already on the movie than I am. So I think you'll get to Rise of Skywalker, and you're going to be pretty into it. So I'm excited for you for that. One other thing I wanted to say is uh, Season 1, Episode 5 is titled Rookies, which is, again, part of that same kind of arc with um, uh, Heavy and uh, Echo and Fives and all them. And we have the first canon Mimban reference and uh, where they refer to that planet having mud jumpers on it and the mud jumpers are the grand army of the republic's 224th division and mimban is the planet in solo where han meets beckett's crew as well as Chewie. so i just thought that was kind of where they like kept the because of the fact that it had mud jumpers on it so they kept that kind of um connection to it where you see that planet in solo and it is like a super like muddy rainy dirty planet it's really a lot it's really fascinating to watch, and I love how it all connects and runs together like that. And of course, there's going to be stuff that eventually doesn't connect, like especially when you start going between huge different studio changes. Like, of course, things are going to get lost. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see your watch series go along, and you are tempting me to do it myself. I'm not going to lie. 
Alright, now for like a little bit of speculation. What are you what do you, what do you think the chances are that we see uh Chewy or not Chewy, uh Jabba's kid in Book of Boba Fett? Because if oh, in the you Clone know what? Wars not... movie, the whole plot of the Clone Wars movie is Ahsoka and Anakin having to go and rescue Jabba's son, I think. I think it's a son. I don't know, but it's his kid. Son or daughter, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's a son. How involved is Dave Filoni in Book of Boba Fett? I mean, he's an executive producer. I think the three main executive producers are Filoni, Favreau, and uh, what's his fate? Robert Rodriguez. Interesting, because I think it would be... Filoni does love to go back and touch his his own work. <laughs> you know, he likes to sprinkle himself back on a little bit more and especially revisit things that he didn't necessarily do well the first time. So I think he he would be tempted to be like, okay, Jabba's son, infamous, the Clone Wars movie was kind of the infamous flop of of his career, I would say, at least at Lucasfilm. Yep. And the thing that like drove him to make Clone Wars as good as it actually is because he wanted to, in a way, prove he was better than that movie. So this could be a way for him to go back and, and revisit that character and make it cool, especially under Robert Rodriguez. I think he could make anything look cool. I I have crazy wild speculation based on very little. So one of the <laughs> like kind of commissioned posters by Lucasfilm for Book of Boba Fett is uh, Luke and Grogu together as Luke watches Grogu build a lightsaber, right? Wow, that's fascinating. So my basic prediction is I think Luke and Grogu show up at some point in Book of Boba Fett and Grogu goes back with uh, Din Djarin. And I think Season 3, Episode 1 of Mandalorian, Grogu's already back with Din Djarin. <laughs> that would be awful. And uh, and I think there could be a time jump too. Um, it would hurt. I mean, it would be it would be satisfying if you're watching along and you follow the Book of Boba Fett, but I'm imagining someone watching... Boba Fett, or I mean, watching Mandalorian along, and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to watch that spinoff one. I'm just going to go to season three And then they have this emotional climax, season two, like, "Oh my God, Baby Yoda is leaving. He's gone." And then season three, he's just back, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, I guess he's back now." Yeah, uh, but I have a prediction that, um, um, granted, I, I did think about the whole Return of the Jedi of it all because I was only watching the Clone Wars movie recently, but I was wondering if maybe there's a point where um, Jabba's son wants to retake over Tatooine and reclaim his position as like the leader of the Hutt clan, and in doing so has to take out Boba Fett, and maybe Boba Fett calls on Din Djarin to help him out. Din Djarin shows up, and uh, Jabba's son is about to kill uh, um, Din Djarin and uh, Luke and Grogu show back up and uh, Jabba's son knows who Luke is and he knows who Luke's father is knows who Anakin is and Grogu he senses that Grogu and Din basically not through the force but just with his eyes and you know watching everything that Grogu and Din in a way are father and son and he's and basically Jabba's son is like your father uh, saved my life and so I will save Din Jaren's life because he's a father and like that whole thing like written better than that because <laughs> they'll have payoff and setup but what if they did that whole tie the whole thing back to the Clone Wars movie and that's what allows Din to survive 
Look, I would love that because I'd be like, wow, all of these things, these like four or five different things that I've watched tying together in one moment. But, but also, I do I wonder could see... if people would think, uh, wait, also... his father saved his father? What's going on? But also, I could see uh, the hut being like, yeah, but also your sister killed my dad. So Yeah, that's what I was thinking so too. That didn't that Luke probably... like direct... Uh, actually involved with yeah yeah i forgot about the whole return of the jedi aspect i was only really thinking about the clone wars movie aspect you could maybe do the reverse you could say maybe like in killing jabba luke freed jabba's son from some kind of torment so luke so now jabba's son owes luke and he's like thank god for you killing my terrible father that was so terrible Uh, he seemed pretty loving in the clone wars movie i don't know if i would buy that he was a shitty abusive dad I don't know. It's been a long, long decade or so in the galaxy. We've seen a lot of change, you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, so I think we only had one other topic that we wanted to talk about. Kind of wraps up my Star Wars chronological watch-through update. I had something I wanted to bring up. All right. Because uh, I've been going through watching some old Disney show, Disney movies on here because I know we're in a spell of, of nothing for a while. And one that I watched uh, just today uh, was Beauty the Beast and it made me start thinking about you know we're watching Marvel What If right now so I wanted to kind of cross things over and think about a what if for Beauty and the Beast so my Beauty and the Beast what if is going to be that rather than the sorceress who in the plot of Beauty and the Beast puts a curse on the prince, the vain prince living in the castle and turns him into a beast uh, she instead goes into the town and finds a vain hunter named Gaston and puts a curse on him to become an animal to live out in the wilderness until he learns to respect and love someone. So we then flash forward and we follow Belle, who is living as the bookkeeper we know from the premise of the original, but rather than be, being like the effect, the object of the affection of Gaston, she's now the object of the affection of this vain prince who lives in this castle on the hill, and he's always trying to get her attention, always trying to make her fall in love with him, and then in the process of that, she's kidnapped by the beast that lives in the woods, who is Gaston in this universe. And we get a similar story of Beauty and the Beast, where she's captured by this beast in the woods. She's heard so many stories about him and how terrible he is and all the terrible things he's done. And over the course of them being together, they learn to connect. And he tells her his story about how he was cursed to be this. He was a really vain hunter who had no respect, and he was cursed to now live as a monster in the wilderness. And you know, he had a little sidekick in the in the original Beauty and the Beast, and I had him turned into an animal in this because in the Beauty and the Beast it turned into furniture. So I'd have him become like a loyal dog that follows around the beast. I was thinking I think that uh, as you were talking, character. I'm like, okay, look, number one, LeFou has to turn into something, and I was thinking a squirrel. <laughs> a squirrel is perfect. I was thinking some little squirrely little animal, like a little barky kind of dog or some kind of little wolf. A squirrel is perfect. Yeah, so I've been preaching for a long, long time. Uh, that Gaston is not a villain. That there is no villain in Beauty and the Beast. Because what's what's wrong? Gaston, maybe he learns to, how to take no for an answer, right? I'll, I'll give you that. But that doesn't make somebody necessarily a bad guy. Like, what's Gaston's worst trait? That he's attracted to the only girl in town that's not stupid? Like, is that what we're punishing Gaston for? From his and of course there's consent issues, but it's medieval times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, things are a little bit less developed, you know. I'm not going to hold people entirely responsible yeah. to 2021 morals yeah, and in Gaston, the medieval world. Gaston, from Gaston's perspective, the girl he cares about has been kidnapped by a monster, 
and he wants to go, like, rescue her. And somehow we've all decided that Gaston is a villain because he's kind of a douche a little bit. Like, yeah, and I think that's douchey? a popular sure. opinion. But, like, is Gaston a bad guy? I'm going to say no. Gaston, not a bad guy. I think Gaston does get a lot of defense from the fandom, so it would be interesting to get a what-if where he's kind of the, the tragic yeah, hero of the story it. rather than the villain. And you could always, you could then turn the, the, the prince into the one who's leading the charge to try and kill the beast and rescue Belle, and you have that reverse while, while still following similar beats. Yeah, I'd watch it. Now I'm trying sign to think me, of other sign me to Disney. Disney. We'll be doing some What If Disney show coming up. Yeah, now, I'll now be I there. need to come up with more What If ideas because I like that one. And yeah, we have a few weeks where there's What If going on and not much else, so I was thinking as I'm watching some of these old yeah. Disney movies might come up with one or so each week that I think is promising. I was looking back at watching uh, Bugs Life. I liked Bugs Life a lot when I was a kid. I wonder what kind of What Ifs I could spiral out of Bugs Life. I haven't seen that in a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long-ass time since I've seen A Bug's Life. Yeah, I, I think I, one I'd like to see is The Incredibles of what if Mr. Incredible took uh, Buddy as his sidekick. Oh, that would be a very different universe. I like that. And maybe uh, maybe someone else becomes a villain. Like, maybe, oh, this is, this is what it is. Buddy becomes his sidekick and, like, trains him and all of that. Um, he still meets and the kids, the kids basically resent Buddy because, um, it's kind of like the Howard Stark, Captain America, Iron Man of it all, where their dad, like, talks about how great Buddy was and how great of a sidekick he was and how he didn't even have powers and he was still this amazing hero. And then you have, like, Dash and his sister who just, like, hate that so much and they become the villains. That'd be really interesting. I like that because it's a it's a definitely a twist where you, the characters or the heroes also become the villains. It's not just like oh, what if this guy was a little bit different? It's you're changing the world around them because of it too. Yeah, there we go. That's my pitch for my what if this week of what if Buddy became uh, Mister Incredible's sidekick. I like that. I need that what if Disney show. They could yeah. sign us. Come on, I know you guys are watching Disney. Disney. We are the Disney. We are the official review of Disney Plus. You guys granted us the name. We are the Disney Plus review show. Is there a chance all. they could sue us? Like we're using I mean, their logo <laughs> in our like thumbnail and shit. Like, can is that suable? I don't know. If they it say might be stop, suable. I'll be like, we'll probably should stop. We'll just look. You guys can sue us, and in exchange, we'll write your Disney What If show for you. Yes. We'll okay. change. We'll change the logos, and then we'll pay you back by writing Disney What If for you. Yeah, I should probably, like, have looked into that before I just, like, <laughs> use their logo on all of our thumbnails, but fuck it. Too late. You know what? That's probably exactly going to be what we should do after this. But, yeah, uh, good week on Disney Plus overall, honestly. It was it was low yeah. in drops, but I think what they dropped was really good. The one thing that was their headline drop was really impressive, at least for me. Yeah, and I will say next week, like I said, no Disney Plus review, at least on my end. If Tristan wants to solo, sure, go for it. Um, Something might be coming out, Joe. I'm not going to tell you what where, just yet. When's your Jaws review coming out? Look, that got pushed back because I decided I was going to watch a bunch of A to Z movies instead of recording my Jaws review. Uh, well, so I, well, I have it recorded. I just don't have it edited. So it's, it's uh, there in the ether. Oh, uh, okay. 
Yeah, I still have to uh, edit together. Uh, While well, it's edited, I just have to export our episode from last night because uh, my internet crashed, and that's always fun because it makes more work for me. But without further ado, I think that wraps up our Disney Plus show for the week. Uh, unless you have anything else to say. No. Uh, see you guys next week for something special, and then I'll see you guys with Joe for the actual next episode of the show. All right. Um, curious to see what his something special is going to be. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.